Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. This is Richard Gunther. Adam's big home theater project is coming along, so it's time for an update. The walls are up, pre-wiring is done, well, until we added some new requirements for them, and almost everything is ordered or already in. So what decisions did he make on the screen, equipment, and lighting? And how is his contractor taking to this just-in-time planning approach? It's time to find out on this third installment about building a home theater. Hey everyone, I'm Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm joined again by my co-host Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. And this is the third installment in our series of episodes focused around planning and building a home theater in my family's home. We're again accompanied by some colleagues and industry experts to be our guides and advisors through the process. Welcome back, everybody. Hey. All right, should we do a quick round of introductions, remind everybody who you are? Start with uh, Owen. Cool. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Owen Maddock. I own CinemaWorks. I'm a cinema installer based out of Bristol in the, in the United Kingdom. All right. Seth? Seth Johnson, Home Tech Podcast. My day job is doing software development for a distributor in, here in the States. TJ? Yeah, my name is TJ Huddleston. I own a low-voltage company in Central Ohio and one-third of the Home Tech Podcast. All right. I appreciate having everybody again. Do you need to introduce yourself, Richard? Well, I, I, I'm here. Hi. Hi, Richard. I figured you're you're a regular on the show. They don't need an introduction from you. Yeah. Okay. Well, while I'm here, <laughs> I have a question for you, Adam. And this is a really important one. You can think of this in any context, while you're podcasting, while you're working in life in general. Sticky notes or a notes app? Which of it? I'm going to go with neither. I've been through almost every iteration of digital note taking, including like iPad handwriting. I've never tried the remarkable, but I've had lots of people tell me about that. And then I finally just like went full circle and decided I like paper and pen and I like things right in front of me. And the latest iteration of this is a product called the Sidekick Notepad. I'm a big fan of the Cortex podcast, and they also have a brand of journals and notebooks and stuff like that. So previously, it was one of their just blank notebooks, but they built this notepad, which is kind of has a section for tasks on it and then a section for notes, and you can rip them off. And it kind of is designed to go either in front of or, in my case, behind your keyboard just to jot down notes. So pretty big fan so far. And uh, so, yeah, that's the current solution. How about you? I am sticky notes all the way. I do use Apple's Notes app for keeping track of substantive stuff. Like, I don't know, what are the measurements of all of my air filters and random things like that that I need to know if I'm not at home. But as far as reminders for myself, it is 
all about sticky notes. I have them all over my blotter. I occasionally have them on my screen. I am heavy into the analog sticky notes for sure. It sounds like a nightmare to me. (laughs) (laughs) But to each their own. How about you, Owen? I'm really very Apple Notes, actually. Um, My friends tell me, oh, there's such and such notes app. You've got to get on this. Yes, Ben, I am talking to you, but I don't. And I think mainly for sharing things with my wife, uh, you know, about kind of running the house and about our kid and all that good stuff, it's in a shared note. And all that happens is like, well, why don't you know it's in the shared notes? And then I get in trouble. So, yeah, (laughs) really effective. (laughs) Seth? Whatever I think the the flavor of the day, I guess, for note notes and, and reminders and everything. Um, actually, I use drafts a lot. It's kind of an older text-based thing. It syncs between your your phone, your computer, your watch. It's just like Apple Notes, except it's more more basic. There's no there's no like advanced formatting. Like you don't you can't put headings and uh, I think there's support for like markdown checklists and that kind of thing. But generally, if I'm just like capturing some stuff, I'll put it there and then. Um, it's there, and if I ever need to get back to it, that's where it is, but I generally don't uh, remember where I re- write a note. I'm not very good at organization, so <laughs> just put that out there. <laughs> well, this is one of the problems of my many, many systems over the years is I have notes everywhere. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I've, I've, And one of the digital problems is like I've had notes in Evernote in – you know, I've used drafts before. Yeah. I'm a fan, like all kinds of things. So then, you know, if you're really going back, it's just a question of like, what the hell was I using at that moment? Yeah. We were talking about this on our, on our podcast the other night when we were uploading our files. I'm like, just put them in this folder, you know? And, and DJ's like, no, I want to use a folder. <laughs> I'm like, no, just put it in this folder. I can, it just needs a file name that you know, I can search for the episode number. But like, I'm, I'm a very big search fan. Like I kind of grew up in the search era, I suppose. So the search thing works better than any kind of organization. So if I have like words that I know that I typed in on a note, I just search for that. I don't even, I don't go looking for it or digging down or anything like that. I just, I search, no tags, nothing, just search. How about you, TJ? Yeah, as Seth already alluded to, I'm a, I'm a pretty big stickler on the folders. I have folders coming out every single socket of my computer. But for note keeping, I'm, I'm all in on Google Keep. I think I have like 10 different Google accounts at this point for the various things. And so each account has their own separate Google Keep. And most of the time when I'm taking notes, it's just very simple stuff. I just need checklist or some kind of way to keep track of everything. So Google Keep's just been the easiest way to do that. And, you know, I use Word if, if necessary for longer things. But all general notes just go to Google Keep. I've always been afraid that would be in their hit list. Yep, they're going to kill it. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right? I'm I'm just not willing to trust that it's going to hang around. The one way you know that it's not on the hit list is because they never talk about it. If they talk about it all the time, then there's a possibility (laughs) it's going to disappear at some point. But you, you know they never talk about Google Maps or Gmail or any of these other important things. So they're all safe. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. I just, yeah, well, anything they heavily advertise like Stadia or anything else, it has a chance to disappear in any point. So, Okay. So if you want to submit a question for us to open the show, you can send that question on Twitter or Mastodon with the hashtag AskAdamAndRichard or send it to us at feedback at smarthome.fm. Yeah, I think today we're going to kind of talk a little bit about how things are going, give you guys an update on the theater project, talk a little bit about some of the equipment, touch on lighting a little bit more, and kind of go from there. So 
I think for starters, I want to start with a thank you to each of you for all of your help on this project. I would be, I think, not able to create what I wanted without all of your advice and help along the way. And, um, you know, what listeners have not seen is all of the chat in our shared Slack and the urgent messages of, I need to check these measurements or what if we do this and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I am, you know, forever grateful for everybody's help and it has really, really been great. So thank you to each of you. Yeah. Props to uh, Owen for answering all the questions because I just defer everything to him at this point. So. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not even slightly true, but um, equally, I think I want to just give Adam some props because um, I think where we last left off in the last episode is there's kind of this trade-off between the screen size that you want and the kind of what's in your budget. And Adam did the right thing and spent more money. So <laughs> <laughs> absolute applause for that. If you want to go big, it's a very good thing to do, but you just have to spend a little bit extra. And he's done that. So it's going to be good now. So I'm really pleased. Yes. Yeah. Well, it yeah. definitely helped him up that budget a little bit since the initial talk. So yeah, you guys are all very expensive friends. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's literally <laughs> my job. You know? That's the entire goal of the Home Tech Podcast is just to make people spend <laughs> yeah. more money. Yeah. Always happy to help spend Adam's money. <laughs> So um, in terms of talking about kind of how far along things are, we'll share some pictures and stuff in the show notes. We just finished kind of the initial stages of drywall in like the entire basement. So things are getting real. At least three of the four walls and the ceiling in the theater are drywalled. I think our very first conversation was around soundproofing and what we ended up doing is, um, and somebody who knows more than me can give the official terms, but like the kind of clips and double drywall and green glue between the drywall. So the whole purpose, I was explaining this to my wife, you know, the clips help get the drywall off of the, the studs and whatnot. And so that creates one barrier of sound isolation. And then the first sheet of drywall is kind of screwed down and then the, the glue is applied between the first and the second sheet of drywall to achieve some soundproofing. So I don't know if anybody, is there more to that or do I basically have it right? Yeah, that sounds just about right. Yeah. We've been seeing the pictures. It's a lot easier to envision what you're talking about because it's yeah, it's it's a very strange construction process unless you've actually seen it in in real life, as they say. Yeah. So amongst the reasons why the company that's doing the work hates me. Um, <laughs> these, these clips, and you know, they've never done this before, which is actually surprising because I think they're a fairly high end builder, but you know, I'm, we can talk about that more when we talk about what their usual process is, but so they've never done this before. I don't think they ordered enough materials. You know, one day one of the guys was complaining because he had just driven an hour away to get the right screws to use with the clips. And so, you know, I think some of that has caused some learning. We're currently about two weeks behind on schedule, which I'm not too worried about yet. But if it drifts anymore, then, you know, we'll start to get worried or TJ and I'll start talking about what can we do while they're doing trims and stuff like that. I, st I still think we're going to be OK, but they ran out of clips and materials for hanging drywall in the theater. So that's why the last wall isn't done. Um, so which, you know. I think uh, 
you know, they blame on me and all my my requirements. So I've never in my, you know, 20 years of doing this ever heard of any construction project being delayed like this. This is ridiculous, Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, especially especially with you haven't had any changes or anything like that. So I mean, it's not like they've had to change walls or studs or anything like that. Oh yeah, so. none of that. So yeah, further going into why uh the general contractor hates me and at some point I said to these guys, I was like I'm pretty sure that GC hates me. And they go, that just means you're doing it right. Like that means that you're doing it right and you're pushing back on things and you're, you know, so, you know, I think one of the major learnings from all of this was in an ideal world, all the discussions that we've had would have been done before the first piece of wood went up in the basement. And so I think a little bit of the building it as we go and figuring some of this out along the way is what caused some some headaches and some changes and some some things here and some of that distaste that they might have for me. But realistically, we were able to get everything we needed in time to where there wasn't any major rework or anything like that. So... I think it could have been far worse, but I think that's a, a major lesson in terms of get more of this figured out. Yeah, just just to give you some context about things being worse, the last theatre I completed was kind of, well, we were hoping to do it for last Christmas, but we actually got really properly finished um, around about the end of January. That was a build project that was a complete renovation of like a four-story townhouse. It was 18 months late and they were on their second general contractor. So that's that's late. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry. You know? A couple of weeks is nothing. Yeah. 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 We always tell people to double their project time. So if somebody says, Oh, it's gonna be done in six months, I say twelve months. And they're like, nah, they said it's gonna be six months. But yeah, they're like, like yeah, just go ahead and just double that for yourself. Yeah. It's like CES launch projections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was talking with uh, a relative who works for a really high end builder and they work for basically architects in the area and they were working on one project and he was telling me about some of the walls they were doing in this particular house and ceilings and whatnot. And as he was explaining it to me, I'm like, Oh, I know exactly what that is. That's, that's what you do in theaters. And basically every single wall in this entire house and every single ceiling is done the way you've done on, on the floating clips and everything. Uh, wow. Every single wall. He was walking through the house and noticed that there was some shade pockets that weren't, that weren't done on, on the ceilings. So the ceilings actually had to come down uh, a couple of inches for those shade pockets to get put in correctly. And then on top of that, there was some kind of like overlap or, or thing that they were going to put to, to wrap the ceiling into the, to the drywall. So basically all the ceilings and drywall have to be fixed and, and and replaced. So as far as delay goes, I think you're, you're pretty good. Like, I I don't think there's (laughs) any problems in, in what's going on. I I think you've been on top of it and had a pretty good general contractor (laughs) comparatively speaking. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so I think the big lesson here was particularly the things that caused issues were not settling on. Well, we can talk about the projector and the screen later, but I think having the speakers picked out and like layout for everything well in advance would have solved a lot of these issues. It, you know, a lot of it came down to. Once we figured out what speakers we were going to use, 
um, which are all in my office right now, which is um, the ultimate torture, by the way. Like I can see all these fantastic speakers, my projector, and I'm just all like, that's going to be cool. That's going to be awesome. But all I can do is look at the boxes right now. But it is what it is. But yeah, I think once we knew that, then it was like, all right, well, these studs have to go here. You know, we have to move this here and, you know, make sure there's room for all these things. And amongst those things, like they had HVAC coming into the theater where, you know, where a speaker was going to go. And it's like all these headaches that I think if it would have been, if that would have been determined a little bit earlier, that would have been helpful. I think the way we're doing things and the fact that we're not using their normal guy, I think also got in the way because we basically had to translate what this crew advised me on to the pre-wire guy, to the contractors. And so that was always kind of a headache. And my latest like mini panic attack was as they were putting up all these clips and channels and stuff, there were crossbars. So like we had figured out, all right, all the, all the studs need to go in all these places. And I'm like, cool, we've got flexibility. We can get the speakers in the right place. Like this is going to be no problem. Now all of a sudden they're putting up these cross beams and I'm like, Oh crap. You know, they're going to put some piece of metal where, you know, a speaker's supposed to go and we're going to be screwed. But thankfully the pre-wire guys did double check all the measurements. I did some sanity checking before the walls got fully finished and, uh, you know, panic attack subsided. But that was my latest, like, oh, great, here we go again. Yeah. So I'm wondering, as you have been making all of these modifications, have you heard any feedback or reaction to the changes you're making from whoever it was that did the original theater design? So they didn't ever really do the original design. You know, this was always the game plan. But, you know, the pre-wire guy that has sort of been our boots on the ground up until now, they're just kind of like, oh, well, we don't usually use these speakers. We don't know how to do this. Like, this isn't normally this thing. So, like, they know their stuff, I guess, a little bit, but they don't know about the particular things we're trying to do or use or whatever. So they've been fine and they've done a good job. It's just been a little bit frustrating to try to get everything communicated. And, you know, the company that's doing all the work, like if it's not in writing, it kind of doesn't exist. So even once something gets told to somebody, if they don't then put it in writing, like it's not real. And then, you know, one of the guys went on paternity leave in the middle of things. So it's like stuff that I told that guy then got lost in the message. So you know, I think that's just been kind of part of the challenge, but you know, we got through it and, uh, made sure, you know, I've just been super persistent and make sure to over communicate to, you know, all parties and try to kind of see it through. I think, you know, what's a little bit outside of the norm is normally whoever's doing the final theater install would do the pre-wire, but I don't know if we've officially said this on the store, but TJ is going to come and uh, he's going to do the final install. And obviously he didn't want to drive here from Ohio to do pre-wire and deal with our contractor. And it's probably good that he didn't because, you know, that would have been he would have been here for weeks dealing with all their BS. But I think, you know, some of that is is self-created, but we got it done. 
Well, and you're doing the hard job as well. I mean, you're basically the the GC for the job. I mean, even though you do have a GC and you have somebody handling all the construction stuff, you're you're the one basically organizing everything and and making sure everybody's on the page. And, and whenever somebody jumps in and, and they do that job, especially I'm assuming it's your first kind of time doing that. Um, yeah, for it's a major, very challenging. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and I think it makes sense why GCs get paid so much. Right. And there are, there are people like Owen and even even further than what I think Owen does is like there are people who specialize in the complete construction soup to nuts. You know, they are their own GC that specializes completely on theater construction. Like they do the walls, they'll come and do the carpentry, they do everything. So like from here, you're taking like a broad group of knowledge and kind of like combining it down and trying to distill it and communicate it back to somebody who just doesn't do this kind of construction on a day-to-day basis. Oh, they know, they know how to take what you give them or do some research um, and at least deliver what you've asked. Um, so that's good. At least, at least you've gotten that far with them. But I know there are a lot of builders around here that would not have been able to do what they've done. So it's good. That's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a million different ways to do every single thing. So, I mean, it sounds like they have a general idea of what they're doing and they've kind of done similar stuff before, but just not, you know, maybe as advanced as this or, or it's a little bit different than what they normally do. So it sounds like you're in good hands and, and you're handling the project well overall. Yeah. I think the next bit was to talk about equipment, which I think this is a good one to talk a little bit about our change and what the guys alluded to was change in plans around uh, projector and screen size, particularly. You know, we talked last time about what to do and, and what we were doing, and I was looking at the lowest end Sony laser projector. Um, and what happened was when we went and looked at theater seats, um, they had a Sony 7000 there and they had a bigger screen than what and a smaller room than what we were planning. And so being able to actually like see it in person, I was second guessing myself coming out of there. And so then, you know, there was some furious conversation between TJ and Owen and I about, you know, okay, what if we go with a higher end projector? I was literally like looking on eBay to see if I could get the higher end one for cheaper. And so, you know, there was some devil and angel on the shoulders uh, that ultimately got me to go high end and get the right projector and get the right size screen that uh, that I would be happy with. Who who was the devil and who was the angel? That's what I want to do. I, TJ and Owen. I have my theory. Yeah, I think I think Owen and I were the angel. I think I think Adam was the devil himself. Yeah, so. maybe. <laughs> it's the it's the curse of the homeowner, isn't it? Where you you have a couple professionals telling you you know what's the best practice and kind of what's practical and everything, and then you have the homeowner that's like, well, I don't I don't want that. I want this big old thing, and that's great, but you know it does add into the complications this is of things just sometimes. What happens to absolutely everybody because. Of course you want the biggest screen possible, right? At what point are you going to go, I want a slightly smaller screen than I can have? Who, who does that? But... Well, Owen, you were actually trying to talk him into that because of the projector that he had selected. Sure, but it's not what you want. You want the big one. <laughs> and I was just saying, if you're going to have the big one, then you need to bring brightness. And if you're going to have brightness then that unfortunately just has, has a price attached. What's great though is, I mean, you know, going and seeing stuff is amazing. 
So for example, you could go and see the product you have in mind at the size you want, and I guarantee you will either shrink it or get a bigger one because it's it needs to impress you and, and do all that good stuff. So, you know, this is all just very, very normal. Years ago, you know, 20 years ago, and I was in a kind of an audio video store type situation, and people would walk in and they had their, they had their mind set on stuff, and they're like, I'm going to buy this, it's 500 pounds, and I'm going to blow it up to six meters across, and we're like, and we would all just... It's really hard because you can't just laugh at the customer. You really want to. You have to go out the back and laugh there, you know. <laughs> so, excuse me just one minute, sir. You know, you can walk like, ah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's just a really normal thing you go through. But it's, it's at least, you know, we came to the, the best possible outcome, which is that you get what you want. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. And that's. Well, at least you did it before you bought the equipment, too. So yeah. Right. Yeah, yes, yeah. for sure. No. And, I, you know, I think. The pressure of the construction schedule and getting things nailed down before they got to certain phases, I think, helped me to push some of those decisions along and really figure out what I wanted. And and so, yeah, I was glad that I went and saw, you know, their demo room and and got to thinking about that and, and got it all sorted out. So which I have to be reminded of. There's a phrase that my dad used that has cost me so much money in my life, which is you you never regret buying the best. You might regret what you paid for it, but you usually kind of forget about that part. So I think this falls into that category. Yeah, yeah. We have a similar one. I don't know if it, I don't know if it crossed the pond or not, but um and I say it a lot with with clients and stuff. It's just this if you buy cheap, you just buy twice. You just do it again. Oh yeah. 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 Huh. That's yeah. that's the rest of the story is like yeah, if you don't buy the best, then you're going to end up buying crap multiple times and you should have just bought the best in the first place because you're going to replace it enough and almost get there. So yeah, uh, I think the final decisions, we also decided on um, clip speakers. Some of the things along the way we've had to, TJ's had to make some new business relationships. So, you know, we're, we're adding some lines to his, <laughs> to his uh, business, which has been great. So some nice Klipsch speakers, which I, I'm a fan of their products and Owen's push to get THX rated stuff too, I think um, was a good one. And um, those seem great. So yeah, the bulk of the speakers in the entire room are a THX 8000L. That's your fronts, your sides, your rears, your center. So that's a bulk of them. We had to go with a, a slimmer Atmos speaker to, to fit in the ceiling to deal with some things there. So that's also a Klipsch. And what did we settle on for subs? Uh, SVS subs for your two in-wall subs. Yeah. So yeah, the two in-wall subs in the front from SVS. And so yeah, I think that all has turned out well. In terms of everything ordered, you know, I would say we have, I don't know, 70% of things. Basically, TJ and I ordered everything we needed to get like the basic construction stuff figured out and, you know, some of the key stuff we wanted to make sure we had in time. Still to be ordered are, you know, some things that I don't think will be hard to get, but are, you know, larger like the screen. So definitely a part of this project we're working on implementing ClickUp in our company right now. So now I have a ClickUp section that's all like theater related and it has in it like all the things I need to order just because of having the basement under construction. Like 
our house is already kind of in disarray and there isn't a lot of room to put things to start with. So like theater chairs, for example, I've paid for and ordered the theater chairs, but I told them not to send them because I don't want them to show up until right before we're about to do this. Because where am I going to put, you know, six, you know, nice theater chairs while I'm waiting? Like it's probably going to sit in my family room or something until we take them downstairs. So there's a little bit of a coordination going on with some of that kind of stuff while we do that. So that's interesting. I don't know that people would even really think about that, right? You're excited. You want to order stuff as early as possible so that you don't end up with any sort of delivery delays. But then, yeah, what do you do with it while all the building is still going on? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want it in the basement with six layers of dust over it or do you want to whatever? So we're getting to the point where we're going to start ordering stuff and getting it in. Uh, it's probably a conversation TJ and I need to have soon here, but um, you know, for the most part, I'd say that's all under control. So TJ wasn't willing to accept it all and drive it down himself. <laughs> to- <laughs> well, you know, I, I think most things would fit, but the, the screen is the most obnoxious thing. And I literally have like a 20 by 30 warehouse for all my stuff. And I would struggle to place the the 145 inch screen somewhere safe at the moment. <laughs> so the, the the screen is the most obnoxious thing. I, everything adds up collectively, but the screen is kind of obnoxious to keep. So we'll we'll wait to the very last minute to order that. But there's no problem with stock or anything at the moment, so that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I was going to say so far, knock on wood, no supply chain issues, and you know everything we've looked at shouldn't be an issue. You know, I think that. The chairs, they said, are in stock, so those ready to ship. The only one they were maybe were a little bit worried about was the receiver, but that, I think, doesn't seem like that's going to be an issue either, so we'll probably get that ordered soonish here. That's the one relationship we couldn't seem to get cracked for TJ to get him to be a dealer for, but we'll we'll find somewhere to get that one. Huh. So I don't know if we ever talked about this or not, and this may be. The most important thing, Adam, have you chosen a remote control solution yet? Yeah, we have. TJ, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so we don't need anything overly complicated for the theater. And it doesn't sound like Adam wants to tie in everything for the house into the system. Um, So for this one, we're going to use Elan. Uh, I think they've got an SD100 controller. Um, and they actually have a new touchscreen remote with voice assist and everything built into it. Uh, I think it's the HR40 um, that actually gets released this month, and I should have it in a week or two. Um, so that'll that'll give you a nice uh, touchscreen remote uh, control for everything, and also an app and, and all that you know normal stuff these days for controlling everything. Any physical buttons on? That? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's a very nice remote. They've got a lot of physical buttons on there. We'll, we'll post a photo of it or something like that, but plenty of uh, physical buttons. So you don't have to worry about finding, you know, touchscreen buttons and all that good stuff. Yeah. In the dark while you're trying to. Yeah. Watch, that, that's right. always the worst. Yeah. I think we'll let everybody weigh in on this, but I feel like the remote situation has been a lot harder to settle on something. There's no like one clear answer since Logitech has gotten out of right. the business. Right. Because, you know, whatever, three years ago, the answer would be the top end harmony. And uh, that's what I have upstairs. And, uh, you know, it works really well. So this is as good of anything we can do right now. And 
it should do the job. Yeah, and you don't want to. I mean, there, there have been a couple of newer. I have one sitting over there. I I can't remember the name of the company. It's kind of a newer. It's not, Sofa Baton. Yeah, it's not those. It was the other one oh, that I bought. Please no. A uh, flirk, flirk, yeah, yeah. It, but it was oh, I like that. It was only IR, uh, so you know you can't go through walls, or you know it's only as reliable as IR is going to be. But again, right. like it's also new. It's also experimental. Elon's been around for a couple of years, and the remotes and everything have been around for a while. So if this remote comes and goes, there's always the option of like getting another remote that just integrates right with the Elon controller. Because the remote doesn't. I don't think it's a standalone thing, is it, TJ? Like it's usually there's a paired with a controller. Correct. Yeah. So you'd have a controller and then the remote. And like I said, they can do a lot of the home automation stuff. So, you know, I, I think you're doing Lutron Caseta at the house. Is yep. that right, Adam? Yep. You could tie that into it and thermostats and all that stuff, but you, you don't necessarily have to. And that's kind of the advantage of it. And I'm a huge fan of the Harmony remotes. So I'm very disappointed they went away because now, you know, whenever somebody wants a universal remote, I have to sell them something expensive, whereas like a $100 remote solved that problem before. Weirdly, I think it's quite a good time for the sort of upper end remotes because the the new Control Four remote, the the Halo, is is very acceptable. It looks really nice, whereas the the SR two sixty remote can't say much. You're and breaking my heart. Was, and, then the, and, the, and then the Neo <laughs> remote, was kind, of, remote was kind of all right, but it was kind of small and it was kind of odd. The Crestron three ten is really good. The Savant that I use is really good. The new Elan is really good. So suddenly, there's all these kind of things that you can give to a you know, plausible, normal householder with a straight face. And that just didn't used to be the case a few years ago. So I think that's quite good fun. Savant went back to a traditional candy bar style, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not that much in them, but I think what what they have now is super plausible. You know, it just feels nice in the hand. It's really, really easy to work. To be honest, they all look the same. The Halo remote looks a lot like the Savant one. The Alarm one looks a lot like that. But I think that's okay. I kind of think like this is kind of converging on the right answer. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, there is a logical configuration for these remotes. I've been right. arguing this for years. And when companies try to innovate by adding buttons and putting them where buttons you're expecting to be there should be, then it just messes things up. 100%. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Channel up and down, volume up and down. You know, it's just, it's not rocket science. Yeah, it's something important with, you know, a job like this is I'm, I'm obviously not going to drive to Illinois the weekend after installation or something if Adam has a problem with programming. And so the ability to remote in and, and change programming and add stuff and configure things is, is 100% necessary. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want somebody to have to break out their computer and set up TeamViewer and connect the remote to the thing and do this and do that. So the ability to remote in and change stuff is really, you know, useful and basically a requirement for something like this. Although I imagine Adam would probably want to be able to do that at some point just because, but, you know. Yeah, and I think that that's sort of the headache for a normal homeowner is like these high-end remotes, like you can't configure them yourself like you used to be able to. So, you know, TJ, you might regret having that ability because i'm going to be bugging you and you know we got to add this change this don't tell anybody and don't sell my information but i'll just give you my login no 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 i'm sure i'm sure that's not actually gonna happen he never said that yeah he never said that don't tell alone there were some there's a number of integrations with the with the lawn anyway i think we talked about there was a there was a guy who was doing like a bridge from a lawn to home assistant so like stuff is out there that will integrate with a lawn systems and bring the control or inputs and outputs over to other stuff. 
as well. Elon is not one of those dead-end systems that has no API like other custom systems that shall not be named who don't want to work with third-party developers. Owen's smiling because he knows who I'm talking about. (laughs) But there's an API for Elon. It works, and it's they are really really on top of things. They've been updating it constantly, like quite a bit over the past couple of years. Um, so it's a, it's actually a really good company to work with as far as um, development goes. Well, and you can change some of the stuff yourself too. You can change backgrounds yourself or add devices. And there's a lot of DIY stuff that you can do. And that's kind of one of the reasons I like it is because somebody doesn't have to call me for every single change. And I, I know some companies like that, but I just, I don't like that. Makes sense. Awesome. So last time... Richard had to go before we really dug in on lighting. So now we can talk more about lighting with Richard in the room. So I guess we'll talk about kind of the original plan, which was just overhead cans. And there was no accent lighting, nothing going on. So we've made some progress there. We now have some accent lights and we went with a a hue. I actually think it's an outdoor light. It's actually intended to be kind of like a door sconce, but they're kind of perfect for theaters because they shine light up and down and not directly in anyone's face. So it's keeping your accent light away from the screen. It's keeping it away from people's field of vision. And yet it still gives you the ability to have some cool lighting on the side, either at a very dim level, just for safety's sake, while you're in there or, you know, for fun, if you're having an event or pre-show or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, we've settled on that. I think the other thing that happened at the advice of this group was we added, we split the light switches. So there is a separate switch for the first set of lights that are in front of the screen. Good. Um, yes. It's, so- it's funny because in the last episode, you talked about potentially getting rid of the lights in front of the screen. And I'm like, no, 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 you need lights all over your ceiling because you need to clean the whole room. You just don't want them to go on when you turn the lights on in the room under normal circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the right answer. So yeah, the one thing on your list here, Richard, that we haven't done is any step lighting. So how we ended up with the platform, uh, we do have a single stair on either side of the platform on both sides of the room. And I'm not super worried about lighting for that between the sconces. There's also lighting in the chairs. So I think that is another source of lighting. Like on the side of the chair down to the ground, kind of like in a theater. I don't know how to describe it. Other than the first row is definitely going to have to have their lights off if they're fully reclined. Because when we saw the demo of these chairs, like you could see the light from the chairs, like affecting the screen. So I think the guy had said like, yeah, we've given that feedback to the company that, you know, I'm like, well, we just turned the lights off then. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Do you have like undercarriage lights on your He's got the too so. fast and furious model. If, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's customizable of what you can turn on and off and what color it is and things like that. So we sold the wife on it because she her favorite color is purple. So when we took pictures of the seating, we, we put all the colors to purple. And we we're like, see how great these theater seats are? Look, they're purple. 
So yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see how those set up and control. And of course, they're just LEDs. So you know, at the end of the day, if you really wanted to cut in there and customize them and put some other kind of controls in, you probably could. So that's nice. Yeah, and I think ultimately if we want. So there is an outlet on the back of the or kind of on the front face of the riser behind where the chairs are going to go. So ultimately, if I wanted to run some step lighting, I think this would be a, a project that I could even handle later and it, you know, could do it in a way that that would work fine. So, and I think, you know, any other further lighting, I would love to do like the individual pixel LEDs and like <laughs> fancy cool stuff, but you know, maybe that's, that's a project for later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and just did the zip the lips. <laughs> that, that's a bit of an ask right now. I think the, the step lights probably the easiest thing to do. And if you wanted to finish off the step with the, you know, kind of the trim option where I'm not sure what flooring you have going in, probably carpeting of some type, but like if you wanted to have the, like the step with the integrated like lens and everything, the, what they call extrusion. Those aren't hard to find and get and then install as well. Um, but you do want to have at least the wire going to that area right about now. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, I mean, your boxes are built there. Could you still get in there now before you start carpeting it and all to at least get the wire back there and even a box that's capped off? Cause you can always, if you're doing, carpeting on the steps and i'm assuming you are you can always just carpet over all of it yeah okay well you guys can advise me on what i need to tell them the guy <laughs> just well, one, yeah, more already change, don't like we don't hear, one more change order yeah when we don't hear back from adam in a week we we know what happens <laughs> the general contractor is definitely going to be the, the top suspect <laughs> neighbor neighborville man goes goes missing after asking contractor to switch work for just one more change <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not anything but like a speaker wire for just the standard LED lighting, like just to get power to it. So it's something to kind of keep in mind. Like I, I know you could probably do everything you wanted to do within the um, like right behind the seats where you're talking about because you got power there. You can put a switched outlet or some other type of device that you know is controllable from a lawn that can turn on and off and that kind of thing. Like a DMX or anything like that. So you have plenty of options. It's just like for fit and finish, you may want to look into the trim pieces that go on now rather than waiting later. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you guys have something in mind that's more affordable than I know we talked about an option with the company when we were doing the design and whatever they threw out there was like serious money. So if we can do something, you know, for a reasonable amount of money, then we can probably get it done. Are we still talking step lights? Yeah. I mean, seriously, you shouldn't be paying more than like $50 at the most for something like that. It should be easy to find something. Yeah. And it, maybe what they had in mind was more like a full like runner light or something like that. But it, I definitely remember like a over a thousand dollar price tag for whatever oh, they geez, had no. there. Yeah. No, I don't think it could. I mean, maybe... No, I don't think it could be that much. It's for uh, just a couple of, like a foot and a half of LED lighting. As simple as it, it has been in the past, I've done that with just like tucking the tape lighting up underneath because it's it's low voltage tape light. As long as you have the wire there, very early on, we would tuck it underneath the overhang where the carpet gets tucked back up and stapled under there as well. So there there are options. It, it does remain hidden, but it, 
something like I'm, I'll, I'll send a link to you in the chat here for like just a, a step, uh, aluminum step extrusion. It kind of just makes it look a little more finished off and looks pretty good with the, the lighting can be built into it and you don't have to worry so much about how it trims out essentially. Well, while we're waiting on clips, we can mess with the electrical. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I'll just say, you know, this is your fault. If you had ordered enough clips, then, you know, we would have finished this off. Just one more wire. That's all. Yeah. All right. Well, I will warn you, Seth's solution is going to be more than $50, but it's not going to be a thousand. Okay. Sounds good. It sounds like you've made a lot of progress there. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break for sponsors and then we'll be back with more smart home discussion. Everyone says that starting a podcast is easy, but let me tell you, making a podcast is hard work. That's where today's sponsor, Lightning Pod, comes in. If you have a podcast or you want to start one, then you should check them out. They can help you with every step of the podcast production process. We've been working with Lightning Pod founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. Eric currently helps us with editing and copywriting. But he's also available to help your podcast with recording, monetization, website design, and more. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. All experience levels are welcome. So whether you're a veteran podcaster or a total newbie, you should check them out. That's lightningpod.fm. Okay, so we just got caught up on where you are, what you've been doing. We helped you come up with some additional changes that your contractor is going to love. <laughs> What's coming up? Do you still have unanswered questions that you need to address? And, and what are the next steps other than the actual AV install that still have to happen here? Major questions for the group now are just like, what's the best demo movie once we get this baby done? <laughs> <laughs> I think Owen has some very good examples there. I mean, yeah. But the thing is as well, I kind of start giving people vague options and even people who I would expect to be moving down the more kind of classy end, they go, oh, you've got the new Top Gun. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just play that again. And it's really <laughs> effective. It's incredibly effective. Like the beginning is just obviously kind of waves of really well-produced, nostalgic feeling kind of happy chemicals going around everywhere. That's really good. But also there's the dogfight when they kind of Maverick kind of steps in and all the new kids kind of go, uh, let's teach this old man a lesson. And they're playing the who in the background, which is, you know, fine with me. Definitely fine with my customer base are a little bit older again. Just super effective. You know, they, they threw so much money at the damn thing. So there's that. And just kind of just pressing the buttons of, you know, client childhoods, I think. So because... It's it's not about production values, really, I think. It's about how you feel. <laughs> the good news is I actually still haven't seen that movie. So I will save that oh. for the new theater. My my wife dragged me to see it at the actual, not as good as mine, perfectly great commercial theater in <laughs> Bristol. Just before, about halfway through building it. And it was kind of cool. And I was like, really? You want me to go to the cinema? Are you sure I'm kind of... We've got sort of cinema out on the road. Can't we go drinking or something? Um, no, it's, it's, they're really nice. The chain called The Everyman. It's pretty classy, you know, it's decent. But it's not that good in terms of performance because they'll bring you some nachos and a beer and all that good stuff. So the whole thing's a little bit too bright. So the picture performance isn't as good as it could be. 
and it was really good. You know, I really enjoyed myself. We went off and had a really nice holiday, but it was definitely, definitely better in my place. So there's that. I really like actually just from a production and kind of, it's a few years old now, but I really like Ready Player One, both the racing scene in that, but actually the whole the whole damn movie is just really good. And also because, again, nostalgia, because he's driving, you know, the correct car. It's DeLorean again. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just depends. But it's, it's, it's all about kind of emotion and feeling and stuff. And most things are pretty well produced, I think. Oh, and haven't I seen pictures of you showing concert scenes from A Star Is Born? Oh, yeah. I, I overuse that. I think other industry people will be just pointing and laughing at me now because it's it's starting <laughs> to be a little bit... Um, if we go back, I don't know, 20, 20 years from when I sort of was getting started in the industry and everyone would play the Eagles, right? The bit from when they got back together and there's that kind of long Hotel Spanish guitar California. intro. Hotel California, oh okay, my If gosh. I ever hear that again, I'm going to kill someone, right? Just, yeah, <laughs> just in me now. <laughs> But the star, the star is born demo, clip is, is kind of getting to that point now a little bit. I still use it in front of customers because they don't know. They're like, oh, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> you know? It caused me to drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One that I've seen, but more importantly heard and have recommended to folks is the Blu-ray for Hans Zimmer Live in Prague 100%. concert. That's really good. It is phenomenal in Atmos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really well done. Um, I've got that as well. Actually, I think I think I just bought that during a demo. Someone asked for it. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to get away with not having that. And click, click, click. And then actually ordered the Blu-ray as well. But yeah, that is really <laughs> good. <laughs> my, my poor Blu-ray player, I feel bad for it. It doesn't get as much use as it should. You know. One of the other things that happened in my visit to look at seating was these guys had some demo clips and things. And I'm like, um, how are you running that? What's the, what's going on there? Like I started asking technical questions and he's like, oh yeah, it's an NVIDIA shield. And, uh, yeah, we're using Cody and a couple internet searches later. Like there's, uh, if you know what to look for, there's, you know, maybe a, a truck that with some, uh, good Atmos theater clips, uh, available that, you know, things might fall off of. So I have procured, um, all the theater demos Triggered. I need. Yes. And I have procured a NVIDIA shield that will be running. I still need to get it all set up. Um, but those clips are sitting on, um, you know, my NAS in the house and they're they're ready and waiting for the theater. So nice. So uh, Cody has an Atmos uh, support plugin now. I believe so. Yeah, yeah that's what that's what they were doing. And I guess the NVIDIA shield is the only thing that can give you like full Atmos support. So that was kind of the reason for, for having that. I, I probably won't use it for anything but theater demos, but it seemed like a, a good way to get that done. Very nice. I can't do that on my Plex. I don't know if they support other platforms, but they sure don't support Atmos from Plex on Apple TV. Yeah. Well, if you if you need to know how to how to get it done, you you have a friend and he, he found the right truck and <laughs> I just I find it amazing that trucks are still driving around with all these they movies. Do. I thought they, they stopped. <laughs> See, I, I don't get involved with all that just because I'm, you know, really, really very, very lame. But I make phone calls to manufacturers <laughs> instead and I like, give me the Dolby demo discs. No, come on, you've got yeah. a couple. No, come on, you can spare one, send it down to me, and eventually they do. Well, as a dealer, yeah, that is, hope, right? uh, you know, more likely to work for you than Adam. Oh, I don't know. You know, you've got quite a decent reach on the podcast. I mean, just a couple of well-placed <laughs> emails to Dolby. <laughs> Think of it to anybody. Fine. Yeah, yeah. 
hundred percent. Yeah. Th- so, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the the Nvidia Shield does work very well for exactly what you're trying to do. There's not very many limitations, and you you've picked a good thing. I would say also make sure you have the Apple TV in there because I I want to say there's like YouTube doesn't do HDR on yeah on uh, the Shield, so you have to have the Apple TV, and then you get that brought in. So. Apple TV is 100% going to be like the normal interface and what we'll use for 90% of things. But I think particularly for this use case, it was worth adding another thing in the mix. All right, Seth, you just mentioned HDR. Last time we were talking about the trade-off between HDR and brightness. Now, with this other projector, do you get both? Owen? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably i would say you should be good i would say you should play around with it but i i think you have enough there now in the tank to uh to enable that and you'll know pretty quickly one of the conversations we've had offline was should you get this all tweaked by a professional and um you know have somebody certified to come in and do you know calibration and all that kind of stuff and, you know, I think TJ and I will will give it a good first pass and I think we'll get it pretty close. But, you know, I think that's something that, you know, maybe I won't do right away, but eventually I will bring somebody in and do all of that calibration stuff. I think given the investment we're putting in, it's probably worth massively doing. worth doing the level you're at. I mean, even I have my 6000 done by by Christian from Sphere Custom who came along and did an amazing job. Um, I was lucky, actually, because he actually he's the distributor for barcode projectors you know really high-end projectors in um in africa and um but he lives in red hill near surrey obviously i think he flits between both countries um but he's got the better gear like um the the thing with calibrating projectors is you need a big color sensor thing and you need a load of software and he's just got the really top level stuff to calibrate you know merely a really nice sony projector so i was lucky with that that was very cool it's worth doing it's, it still makes a huge difference. We host, we host uh, from time to time, a um, ISF training at our office and we have, you know, TVs just laying around for various things like that. We hook up our video distribution stuff to test off of and security cameras and whatever. Um, and I think for the training, we, we have a bunch of like different brand LG, Sony, mostly towards the high end of, of the, the market for each one of them. But from what I understand, they just kind of grabbed one of the LGs uh, last time we were there and, and did a quick calibration on it. And it, it was just night and day difference between what it, how it comes out of the box and how you can kind of like adjust it with a few tools to like what an actual calibration does and looks and it just kind of made it a whole new TV, which is kind of wild to think about. Like it's, it's, it's a little bit more with having the right tools and calibrating to the light in your room and how the lights react off the screen and that kind of thing. I mean, it, it will make a night and day difference to, to what you have installed. So maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but you know, down the road, get it done. And I think it makes sense not to do it right away because you want to figure out how you want to use the room, how you want to set the lighting while you're watching stuff and all of that. And you want that to be taken into consideration when this is done. Yeah. Makes sense. And the only thing to watch for is you're going to just take a little bit of a, a hit on the brightness. You will. Uh, and that's okay. It's genuine. And you've got enough headroom now in the tank to to absolutely cope with that. But it's going to be a little bit less bright when he's done. It's just going to be much, much better. You know, I can't I can't stress it enough. So what are you doing next? What, what happens next? You have to finish the drywall. 
Yeah, so they're finishing drywall. They're taping and mudding right now. And then, you know, I think that's mainly... Then they're going to put in floors and that kind of stuff is up next. And, you know, painting, trim, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, we're going to do the AV install, I think, the second week in July is currently the plan. And uh, I'm really hoping we can stick to that plan. And uh, I think TJ's right. Like, even if their schedule pushes out a little bit, you know, if they're installing outlets and, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, that won't run into what we're going to be doing. But, yeah, particularly... I don't want to push too much further because I'm leaving like the 17th or 18th of July to go to uh, National Jamboree for scouting. So with my son. So and then I'm gone for like 10 days. So I would like to be there. I think TJ would like me to be there, too, for extra set of hands and getting everything right. And also, like, I want to play with my new toy before I leave, right? too. Like, how terrible would that be if we finish and then it's like, oh, bye. Enjoy right. the theater while I'm gone. <laughs> um, TJ sending you I'll pictures. Just, I'll just hang out at yeah. your house. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, look how amazing this is. He's sending you pictures from his phone. Uh, that would be yeah. awful. Can you get your socks off my chair, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the... Uh, that's the current plan, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, premiere night, watching Top Gun Maverick sometime maybe late that week in July. So by the time the install happens, then you're anticipating that everything else in that space is done? Yeah, so the other, you know, in terms of changes that we didn't talk about, so one of the things that also we were trying to figure out so, you know, as we were discussing seating, originally the plan was three rows of theater chairs. And, um, and Owen talked you out of that. Owen talked me out of that. And I'm actually glad because those things are expensive and another row, you know, <laughs> probably wouldn't be getting this projector. So we decided to do like this half wall kind of bar solution and I actually found a pretty interesting company that actually makes more or less exactly what I was looking for. And, you know, when I talked to you guys about it, you guys were like, yeah, that's okay, but I bet they can build it for cheaper. Well, the answer is no, they can't build it for cheaper. You know, <laughs> the, the build is basically the exact same cost. So I actually went to order that thing and I don't remember what they, they said like six weeks on their website and they're like, yeah, actually it's more like 15 weeks. So <laughs> I already, I had already told the company we weren't going to build the thing. And they were like, then I was like, actually, no, I think, I think we should build it. So that was the other main change, which actually I have a to do there, which I need to tell them the exact placement. Um, and like and get how, it in writing. how far back and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so that's the other kind of build thing that needs to happen in the theaters they're going to do um, to do that. Uh, and but yeah, and the good news about that and, you know, the one that I had found was a little bit narrower than I wanted. I basically want to match the width of the chairs. And so I think building it from scratch will have that. I think they're also going to put an outlet in it. Like there's some other kind of finishing touches we can put on it. That Not, I think be nice. absolutely have them put an outlet on it. And Hey, yeah. that's a good time to run the outlets to the stairs. Yeah, exactly. Maybe those wires for the, uh, <laughs> yeah. LEDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh man. Cool. Very cool. So then 
did we talk about what you're doing on the walls? You're not doing any sort of finishing or special trim or any sort of fabric wall or anything. Are you? You're just you're just going to go with the wall surface and it's going to be some dark color. Yeah, yep. And yeah, when we discussed that, I think the plan more or less was like we could add some sort of, you know, sound deadening material to the wall later. Let's get in there, see how it is, see how, you know, the soundproofing we're putting in performs and kind of go from there. Uh, I've got to jump in and be uh, be be nerdy. Um, soundproofing is about the sound getting in or out. The thing you're talking about is acoustic treatment, which changes how the sound behaves in a room. And everyone confuses this. And if if I go back fewer years than it should be, really, I used to confuse this too. So you know, but it's it's really different. And it, 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 these things are not crazy expensive as well. There's companies. Um, you have GIK over there, people like that. There are some inexpensive. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But there's some inexpensive, like corning board covered, like the the fiberboard covered stuff. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Just yeah, cloth covered panels you can buy. They look they look kind of fine. They're kind of about you know four foot that way, two foot that way, and you kind of put them on the walls and make them look nice. And it will make an enormous difference when you're ready. And it doesn't have to be the thing you do immediately when TJ comes and installs your theater. It can be a thing you do months down the line. It won't be a problem, but it will just help the whole thing out. It'll be good. Yeah. Well, maybe whoever does the ISF calibration can do that too. And we're like, all right, what do you want? What should we, where should we put it? Oh, I have, I do hear horror stories, um, completely nameless, but there was a guy in my country, uh, who was going around touting himself as an audio video calibrator. Turned out he was a video calibrator and, you know, skilled and adept at that and had the right software and had the right stuff. And their version of audio calibration was basically to listen to the greatest showman, the beginning of a few times over, and then change a few frequencies. Oh, another good, yeah, brilliant piece of piece of art. But you can't demo. You can't work. calibrate yeah. an audio system like that. You have to use microphones and test tones. So what you had there was a qualified video guy, completely winging it on the audio side of life, and doing some work for companies who, well, frankly, should have known better. But there you go. So be careful. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure uh, you guys can help me vet whoever we uh, bring in for sure. Hundred percent. Or actually, you know, I mean, me and well, I, I can I can certainly help even from over here with that kind of thing because a lot of it can be worked out with um, with math. It's math. Yeah, you know, of course it is. It's all physics. All right. Well, anything else that you need to update us on before we wrap this up, Adam? I don't think so. And you know, in terms of where we go from here, you know, I think we'll do. I think maybe TJ and I'll record some stuff while we're in the thick of it. You know, I can set up some things and we'll we'll record some maybe some bonus content uh, for that. And then you I think know, you I mean TJ and Richard and you will be able to record, right? Isn't that what you mean? I don't know. Are are you coming, Richard? I totally want to come for a couple of days. You should well, come. Absolutely, we, we would be happy to have you. Now it's a party. Anybody else? Anybody else want to come? <laughs> oh, and come on out. I really, really want to. I absolutely can't. But, you know, not this summer. Just anyway. stay for a couple of months so you go to CDA as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, that would be exciting. So, yeah, we'll record some things then. And then, yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll do a follow-up episode after everything's done and uh, can talk about how it all went and how uh, mind-blowingly awesome it is. Very cool. Very cool. 
All right. Well, we are going to end this episode with a listener, not so much question as feedback or suggestion. And it may be too late to consider this for your current project, but two listeners, Lewis, who reached out to me through LinkedIn, and Mike, who sent feedback to our feedback email address, feedback at smarthome.fm, both think that we should look into Govi Lighting. And I don't remember which of them actually thought that you maybe should consider it in your theater project. But here's the feedback from Mike. He says, you guys should really look into Govi. I feel like you low-key hate them. And I'm not sure why. For instance, you didn't bring up anything they put out at CES, even though they had a lot of really cool product announcements. Also, you had a lengthy conversation on TV lighting. Govi have essentially invented the TV to screen lighting in a product they released years ago called the T1. All right, I'm going to fact check you here, Mike. Philips actually invented the TV to lighting bridge with the Ambilight product that they launched in 2002. Television sets that included background lighting that adjusted to what was on the screen. And bias lighting goes way back before that, back into the 19, maybe 70s and 60s. You could buy little lamps you could put up and it would have a fair, yeah. fair point. <laughs> so the concept, which is known as bias lighting, has existed for a long time. I guess it's probably better to say that Philips attempted to popularize it or productize it as a built-in product with televisions in the early aughts. He continues, you said Nanoleaf was inventive, but in reality, they just copied Govi. So he may be thinking about some specific Govi products because both Govi and Nanoleaf have come out with new, recent, innovative products, and they may be somewhat similar to each other. But again, just as a fact check, Govi's only been around since 2017. Nanoleaf, which started with lighting panels, originated in 2012. So they have been around a little longer. Regardless, he says Govi's has over 11 million app users and likely many, many more devices out there in the wild. And they work with all the main vendors and with Thread. Nanoleaf is likely comparably far smaller. And along with Philips, their products are far more expensive than Govi's. Fair point. I think Nanoleaf products are pretty expensive. I don't think we can argue that as you have your Nanoleaf lines behind you, and I have a box of them sitting in my closet downstairs to install in my studio here. So <laughs> he goes on with a second point. He says, Govi has an amazing API. He says it's immediate and simple, and it supports Home Assistant integration. They're also making new endpoints in the API that will allow control over individual light panels. And there's currently around a half-second fade effect during color swipes that they plan to make available. The net effect is that you'll be able to write some pretty amazing API integrations. And they have two APIs, two, one over the internet <laughs> through standard REST calls and a local LAN API that allows you to send UDP commands direct to the device. And now you have my Almost, attention. 
Like, <laughs> there you go. Almost no one else does this, and it's downright brilliant for enthusiast-level integrations. That is impressive. Yeah. But it also requires a certain degree of capability that not all consumers can bring to the table. It means you, either you really want to get involved in doing stuff for this personally, or you are aware of other third-party products that are taking advantage of these. Yeah, or you want to hire somebody to write the API calls to do it. Yeah, yeah. The the, the person that programmed Owen's uh, pixel lighting might be able to do that for you. You'll be all set. So in all seriousness, I mean, you're right. It would take – my. I think our point is it would take some pretty serious development effort to do that. I'm not discounting it. I think it's a really cool thing. And thirdly, he says, from time to time, I really want to debate you both on some of the comments that you make. Would perhaps be interested in being a guest or have a segment to debate topics, which is an interesting idea, Adam. Okay. So So we'll take that under advisement. But hey, I think it's fair that we don't talk about Govi. I really don't know much about them. It kind of annoys me that... There's this big, huge Philips Hue section in many Home Depots that is clearly built, branded, and provided, partly funded by the Philips Hue brand for Home Depot. And Home Depot just shoves some Govi stuff in there like it just belongs there. <laughs> so, and that's my perspective of Govi. They're impersonators, but I know that they have a a valid place in the market. I'm, I kind of kid a little bit. They do look like they have a bunch of fun products. I just went to their website. We covered them not too long ago with some new LED strips that they just came out with. And so it was in my history and I just went back to it and kind of looked through all the stuff they have and they've got quite, quite the catalog. Um, it's kind of impressive. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'll apologize for the oversight, Mr. Mike Govey. Um, I, <laughs> Mike Govey, huh? Or Louis Govey, whoever sent this feedback. I'm just making a joke that this seems like a company line, but it, it does just seem like somebody is really enthusiastic and has found something that works well for them. And, you know, 100%. I think probably the, the main feedback in the first one was, you know, we were talking about NanoLeaf's TV sync thing they announced at CES, and I totally missed um, some of this. And I think what's challenging of keeping up with all this kind of stuff is like there are these new brands and stuff that comes out of nowhere. And, you know, it's hard to judge what, who the players are at any given time. And so this one just didn't land on my, my radar. And I think that's going to be a challenge in the next couple of years too, especially as we get into matter stuff you know, the landscape is shifting and the normal players that were involved in HomeKit and other stuff, you know, might not have a place at the table or might not have stuff out yet or whatever. So I do think it's a good reminder for us to have an open eye to, you know, a bunch of new brands as we enter this matter era and keep an eye on what what other people are doing. I would say, especially in regards to this is going to be really hard to follow when it comes to smart lighting because there are, it seems, a million products out there that are all the same thing that have a name scraped off of it and put another name on it and shipped you know, overseas. It's very difficult to figure out what is what, what's not a, like an impersonating product, what 
actually performs the way it should, what produces good light. Like that's a, it's kind of a big thing, an important thing. And in like a lot of these manufacturers, I'm not sure about Govi, I'm not going to diss them or anything, but like a lot of them don't even talk about the type of light that they're producing. And it, it may not be a top quality light compared to like, you're not comparing apples and apples. I guess what I'm saying, you're, you're comparing apples and oranges when it comes to build quality. And there's really no way to, to know this even Unless, unless you were literally, and I, I do have experience with this, unless you literally go over to China and, and stand in the factory and make sure that they're producing what they're saying they're producing. Because all of these LED tapes, lights look exactly the same and they just swap out the uh, printed name on them and that kind of thing. So it's very, very difficult around this kind of thing. I, I will admit not knowing who Govi is either and finding quite some of these things on here quite interesting, especially if they have an API. Okay. More interested in it now than I was, you know, 10 minutes ago. There you go. Owen, oh, you look like you had something to say. Oh, um, not really. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because from as an integrator, you kind of you will use tried and trusted known brands first. And I think the people who are going to look at the up and coming new things that a few years ago you hadn't heard of, that's going to come out of the kind of I think the hobbyist channel first, always. And then every yep. so often they get a bit bigger, and we have to pay attention. You know. That's yep. kind of just the way it goes. Totally makes sense. Yeah. I think for me, the thing that I always worry about is you said, who are the players and keeping track of the players? Who are the players and who are the stayers? And that's what I'm really worried about. Who is going to have the staying power to stay in the industry? And I believe that Signify is going to stay in the lighting industry because that's what that company has been built around for decades and decades. So, signify previously known as Philips Lighting. So I tend to want to go with something that I know is going to be around for a good while. You mean signify doesn't have a smart gooseneck kettle or a countertop ice maker like Govi does? Because it seems <laughs> no. like it seems like diversification is, yeah, is, you know, we look at no, somebody like why They don't. Yeah, yeah. How and, about and they don't? Right. And they don't sell backpacks or masks either for some reason. How but, about uh, an egg egg monitoring device? Oh, an egg <laughs> minder. There we go, Seth. <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> I do remember the egg minder. Yep, yep, yep. All right. We are not mocking your suggestion here, but thank you for the feedback. This is, uh, you make some good points and we appreciate it. For sure. So yeah, if you have a smart home question for us, you can send it our way using the hashtag ask smart home show or at our feedback at smarthome.fm. So, all right. How do people find all of yous? Where are you? Let's start with Owen. Instagram at cinema underscore works or indeed just the web uh, cinemaworks.co.uk. All right. Pass it to someone, Owen. Uh, TJ. Yeah, you can find me at the hometech.fm podcast or our business website, uh, connectu.tech. Seth. Uh, You can find me perusing the Govi website for the next, you know, an hour and a half. (laughs) Thank you very much. Jeez, Louise, there's so much here. It's really cool. Seriously, though, uh, hometech.fm podcast. I'm over there with TJ and Gavin uh, just about every week. And uh, you can reach me on our Mastodon instance, hometech.social. I'm Seth at hometech.social. Oh, I have to toss it. I'll toss it to Adam. (laughs) Clearly, you guys don't do scrum calls every day. I'm still one foot on Twitter. So you can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice. You can actually find me more now on Mastodon. Adam at justice.tech, um, which I half just did just because I found an awesome domain. And so then it finally <laughs> made sense to be on Mastodon. And I had to run my own instance so I could use my awesome domain. Of course. 
And uh, you can find everything the company's doing at ConnectSense.com. How about you, Richard? All right. You can find me at Richard Gunther, also on Mastodon. And you can find me occasionally writing and occasionally podcasting at the Digital Media Zone. There is a new episode of Home On out recently, I will say, as uh, someone in the home tech instance of Slack mentioned this quarter's episode of Home On <laughs> is out. So <laughs> it's not right. It's not right. <laughs> it's almost no, Slack. Jeez. No, it's it's right. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> In any event, uh, if you have feedback for us, you can send it to feedback at smarthome.fm. And of course, you can find our show notes and information about other episodes at smarthome.fm as well. You can find us in Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere you're going to find podcasts. And do us a favor, leave a review or rating, but more importantly, tell someone about the show. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. Thank you.